Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see you here. I, the choir noticed something, and I did too. What's wrong with this side? I mean, everybody seemed to congregate over here. Everything's kind of listing. I, I, I told the choir it was a sheep and goat thing, but, <laughs> but I'm not going to say which is which. Welcome, everybody. We're glad that you're here wherever you're sitting, and uh, we're, we're glad that you're, you're sitting and in, in, in here with us today. Um, welcome to our guests especially. We're glad you're here, and hope God will bless you in a very special way. Uh, let me remind you of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. We would certainly appreciate that. Go ahead and get your um, your phones and check in on uh, your social media. And uh, got a, a few things going on. First of all, Kelsey, I think you want to say something about our our, uh, our youth today. Hi, friends. So, um, in approximately eight hours, we're having a progressive dinner, um, which was super fun when I was in youth, and it's an awesome opportunity for the youth to get to know other people in the church, um, see you guys in your homes with your families. And I need two more volunteers. Um, so if someone would pretty, pretty please, um, I'm almost begging, um, would you please host dinner and someone host dessert? I have someone hosting an appetizer. Um, but pretty please let me know if you can or would. Um, and then we are also redecorating the youth room slowly but surely. So if anyone's really good at painting or has anything black, white, and red, that's the colors they decided to go with, um, please let me know. Thanks. Thank you, Kelsey. I like those colors. Go go Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, as most of you know, we're not having our, our usual uh, Wednesday activities on, uh, during the month of July. Uh, we won't be having dinner or Bible study during the month of, G- of July. However, um, uh, our, the Big Brothers, I mean, the uh, Boys and Girls Club will be starting here on August the 7th. So that's, what's, today's the 7th, isn't it? That's a month away. We need to get a couple of rooms ready for them. Uh, and we need to clean out a couple of rooms um, uh, to, to make room for them to come in. So we're going to meet here Wednesday, how about 5.30? 5.30 be okay or 6 o'clock? 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Come when you can. And we'll clean up these rooms and uh, move some things around and, and get things moved around. Not a whole lot, I don't think. I don't think it'll take very very long. And, and as they say, many hands make light work. So as many of you, of you as can be here to help with that, uh, we'll take care of that on Wednesday. Uh, so uh, I think that's about all we got going on right now. It's kind of unusual to have a little lull in our activities. But let me invite you now to stand and let us uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord as we share the love of Christ with one another.
men, please remain standing for prayer. Please pray with me. Loving God, as we prepare to share in the life of Christ in worship and adoration, grant unto us the grace to share His life in the world through faithful witness. Teach us, O God, how to be open with others about our faith in Christ. Teach us how to speak the truth in love, humbly and without shame. Save us from the temptation to conform to what is popular or what is favored by those that we might admire because they may appear successful. Instead, teach us how to rely on you, on the power of your Holy Spirit, and not on ourselves to bring the harvest of your kingdom. Let us seek no other reward than to know that we will receive what is promised to faithful witnesses. The reward of knowing you and being known by you and in the communion of all of our sisters and brothers forever. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.
tell me.
please join me in prayer. Our dear Lord and most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have given us and the opportunity to come into your house. This has been a wonderful week of remembering the independence of our country, but please let us be mindful of the men and women who came to this country and the reason they did for religious freedom. Maybe we, may we always be ever mindful of their struggles and the heritage that they gave us. And please be with the men and women who serve our country today to continue to serve for the many freedoms that we are blessed with, including coming to your house freely. Be with each and every one of us as we go our separate ways. Be with those that could not be with us today. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Scripture reading uh, this morning comes uh, from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt. Nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you, Felicia. That was beautiful. This is uh, probably one of those things that um, it's, it's probably almost an universal thing with just about any kid, almost every kid. So I'm just going to ask you the question. When you were a kid, what superpower did you want to have? <laughs> Me, I wanted to fly like Superman. I, some of you probably did too. I, my mom would pin a towel around my neck like a cape, and I and off I went. I was all over the place, running around my yard, the cape billowing behind me. I was invincible. I still do that from time to time. Some may prefer scaling tall buildings like Spider-Man or running as fast as the Flash. So, what superpower did you want to have when you were a kid, and and how did you want to use it? I, I thought about this recently when I saw a question posted on the Internet that asked, if you could have a useless superpower, what would it be? And did you catch that? A useless superpower. One response was, I'd like the ability to win rock, paper, scissors every time. I, I think that would qualify. Another person said, I'd, I'd like it if every time I picked up a sock, the sock next to it would automatically become its match. <laughs> One guy responded, I'd like the power to be able to slam a revolving door. <laughs> and, and finally, I'd like the power to always know when to use a semicolon. That was probably an English major. So what about you? What useless superpower would you like to have? It's, it's kind of a fun question to, to ask, to think about, because we all want to believe that we have some untapped powers within us that we, and that we would, like, we would be able to use that and have the courage to use those powers if we ever needed to. Well, in our Bible passage for today, Jesus sent out 70 of his followers as an advanced team to prepare the people for his ministry. And he gave them power, superpower, really. He gave them power to heal diseases and cast out demons. And he also gave them the authority to preach about his kingdom. And when those disciples got back and reported to him about their experience, they felt like superheroes. But their powers were not useless, of course. They had healed people. They had cast out demons. They, and they had accomplished all of this through Jesus' name. And Jesus was pleased with their work. But he didn't want them to get too big for their britches, as my mama used to say. And so he said, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Corey Ten Boom once told the story of a woodpecker who was tapping on with his beak on the, the bark of a tree. When all of a sudden, on that same tree, a bolt of lightning struck it and destroyed the tree. And so the woodpecker flew away saying, I didn't know I had that in me. Then Corey Ten Boom said, 
when we bring the gospel to people, there is a danger that we will think or say, I've done a great job. Don't be a silly woodpecker, she continued. Know where your strength comes from. It is only through the Holy Spirit who can make your message good and fruitful. Well, the disciples were rejoicing over the things that they had done. But Jesus wanted them to understand that it was the Holy Spirit that was accomplishing these things through them. Rusty Stevens tells a story which probably sounds sounds familiar to, to many of you who are parents. It, it seems that Stevens was mowing his yard one day. And he was rushing to try to get it done before dinner time when his six-year-old son, Mikey, came out and decided to help him. And so Mikey stepped in front of his dad and put his hands up on the handle. And, and, and Stevens, like any good father, relaxed his pace and followed behind. Well, of course, the work slowed down to a crawl. Stevens chuckled inwardly as he thought about how much he really wanted to get this job done before dinner time. But Mikey needed to help his dad. And he needed to learn how to mow a lawn. And and, and as slow and awkward as it was to, to share the work, it was an absolutely necessary part of father-son bonding. Rusty says that suddenly tears came to his eyes. As he says, as I realized that this is the way my Heavenly Father allows me to help him build God's kingdom. I pictured my Heavenly Father at work, seeking, saving, and transforming the lost. And there I was with my weak hands helping My God could do the work all by God's self, but that's not what happens. God chooses to gracefully allow me to co-labor with God. Why? For my sake. Because God wants me to have the privilege of ministering with the Lord. And that's how Jesus usually operated. He, he, could have, he could have done anything that he wanted to. He could have used miracles and wonders. He could have used fear tactics and spread the message of his kingdom. He had the power to draw huge crowds of people. And his, his teachings always left his hearers amazed, astonished. So why did he send out these 70 people to, to do the work that he could have done a whole lot more efficiently himself. Well, my guess is that it was for the same reason that, the, that his last words to the church were that we should go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus sent these 70 people, first of all, because he knew that they needed to see what he saw. They needed to feel the hurts and and hear the questions from people who were living and dying without the knowledge of God, without any hope for their future. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her book, Speaking of Sin, recalls her seminary days. She said that in her first term, she and her classmates were sent to serve as chaplains in hospitals and nursing homes. She says she found it to be a, a pretty easy gig. 
and mostly pleasant work to to pray and to counsel with the patients at the hospital and the nursing homes. Of course, there were those times when emergency occurred or when there was a death, but mostly it was an enjoyable opportunity. But then everything changed in the second term. You see, in the second term, the students were sent out to homeless shelters and soup kitchens and in the rough part of the city, and they saw how unjust social systems kept poor people poor. They saw how hard the inner city citizens worked just to survive, to support their families, to get justice from a system that treated them like garbage. In that second term, Taylor wrote, most days all we did was bandage them up and send them back onto the streets so that they could get chewed up all over again. But Taylor needed to see that. She needed to see the world as Jesus sees the world. Full of desperately hurting people who need the justice and the hope and the mercy of God's kingdom. And I'm so proud of our young people who are serious enough about their faith that they would take a a Saturday morning to feed lunch to the poor at Salvation Army like they did just a couple of weeks ago. They need that. They need to see that. And so do we. We had a discussion in our ministerial association a few months ago about the possibility of outsourcing our voucher program to another organization. You see, we have, we have vouchers that we give to people who need a night of lodging or a, a meal or, or gas. And to be honest, it, it can be a pain to deal with people in need. Some of you know, Mary, you know this. It can be a pain to deal with people in need. And it's hard to know who is legitimately in need and who's taking advantage of the system. And so someone at at our meeting suggested that we give the money that we collect during our Lenten lunches to another organization to handle these needs. And my response was that we ministers need this as much as the people that we help. We need to see the hurting people of Henderson as a part of our own spiritual discipline. We need to know that there is an underside of our community that otherwise we would not see or probably even know about. My friends, those 70 people that Jesus appointed to to go ahead of Him needed that experience as well. And so do we. We need to get outside of the four walls of this church to see the needs that Jesus saw. Jesus also sent out these 70 people to do these works of ministry because you don't really know what real joy is like until you have put your faith into practice. You know, it's one thing to to believe something with your head, but it's something altogether different for that belief to take residence in your heart. And that only happens when you're actively practicing what you preach. Fred Craddock tells about ministering at a church a wealthy church, a very upscale church where the young people were accustomed to going on nice vacations over their spring breaks every year. 
their families gave them just about everything that they needed and they didn't have to work. So imagine their surprise when their new pastor came in and suggested that they go on a mission trip during their spring break. He sent them to a a poor rural county where they repaired houses and slept on the floor of a church and used outhouses and witnessed extreme poverty. As Craddock says, they got a baptism into reality. (laughs) And isn't that why Jesus sends us out to do His work? To give us a baptism into reality? What would it look like if we brought the kingdom of God to flop houses and soup kitchens and prisons and homeless shelters? Do we, do we really believe in the justice and compassion and mercy of the kingdom of God? Or do we just like to hear cheerful messages about it on Sunday mornings? My friends, if the message of Jesus can't hold up when faced with the cold, hard reality of people's lives then it's not from God. Craddock says that he didn't know exactly how these privileged kids would respond to this baptism into reality until they got back home. And they were waiting around in the parking lot for their parents to pick them up. And that's when he heard one of the kids say, this is the best tired I've ever had. Some of you have probably experienced that before, haven't you? This is the best tired that I've ever had. Like those 70 people in today's scripture, that kid was rejoicing in the fact that God had used him for ministry. God had tired him out, and it was the best tired that that he had ever had. Kyle Eidelman tells about a young man in his church whose life was radically changed when he gave his life to Jesus. He cleaned up his life. He began tithing. He began talking with about his faith with his family and his friends. And, and so his mother's, the, the young man's mother asked for a meeting with Pastor Eidelman. You see, she didn't like this so much. He was changing too much. She didn't like the way her son had changed since he'd become a Christian. She didn't like her son spending so much time at church and giving so much money to the church. And so she was, and she wasn't interested in hearing about his faith or what the Bible had to say about every little thing. And so she said to Pastor Eidelman, can you please tell him that the Bible teaches moderation and everything? He's taking this too far and he, he needs to understand that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Ouch. Kind of hurts. And it's also not biblical. You see, the Bible does not teach everything in moderation. That's Oscar Wilde, by the way. It does say that we are to use moderation in our eating and drinking. But it's not biblical to be halfway committed to our faith. And that's why so many people who say that they follow Jesus don't know real joy. It's because they haven't put their faith into action. 
This young man put his faith into action and it changed his life. His life was more fulfilling now than it had ever been before. His life was more joyful now than it had ever been before. His life was all that Jesus promised that it could be. His life was abundant. And ours can be too. Don't you think those 70 disciples would say the same thing about their ministries? Our life right now is beyond anything we could ever imagine, they would say. Those 70 disciples that Jesus sent out saw God's power in action, changing lives. And they came back from their mission overflowing with joy. And Jesus celebrated with them. He said that their ministry was defeating the power of Satan on earth. And that's the third thing that Jesus sent out these disciples before Him for. He had given them the power to defeat evil. I'm sure that all of us will agree that we live in a world in which the power of hatred and injustice and cruelty are all too common. So where's the hope in a world like this? It is found in those who follow Jesus Christ into the world. A woman named Carolyn Ahrens tells about hearing some missionaries speak at her church when she was a child. And she, this was a story that she remembered many years later. She said that the missionaries told about an enormous snake that slithered into their home one day and and they didn't know how to get it out. This is not something that they were accustomed to. So they ran to a neighbor who came over with a machete and decapitated this giant snake on their kitchen floor. Problem solved? Well, not exactly. You see, the neighbor explained that large snakes like this take a long time to die. The blood is still flowing to their muscles and their nerves, even when their head is removed. And so this headless snake was still thrashing about on the floor, making a lot of noise and banging around, acting like it was still alive. And so he told the missionaries to wait outside until they no longer heard the snake moving around inside. So the missionaries did what they were told. They were scared and sickened by the thought of this headless snake flopping around on their kitchen floor. But they waited until it was safe to go back inside. And then one of the missionaries said, It occurs to me that Satan is a lot like that big old snake. He's already been defeated. He just doesn't know it yet. In the meantime, he's going to do some damage. But never forget, he's a goner. Folks, that's why Jesus sent these 70 disciples into the world. And also why Jesus sends us into the world. First of all, He sends us out because He knows that we need to get outside of the four walls of this church to see the needs that He sees. Secondly, He sends us out because you don't really know what real joy is until you have put your faith into practice. And finally, He sends us out because sharing our faith and alleviating suffering in our community 
have the power to drive out everything that we associate with the prince of darkness. Jesus sends us out today, just like he sent out those 70 disciples, to plant the kingdom of God in in hearts and lives. After all, there is no superpower that can compare to the power of knowing God through Jesus Christ. This is the power that gives life meaning and purpose. This is the power that gives us a sense of self-identity and self-worth. This is the power that allows us to overcome the world. And if you've been changed by this power, then you also are called to go, to witness, to share the kingdom of God and the power of salvation to a hurting world. So go, all of you, therefore, and make disciples. Amen. Let us sing our closing hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, number 472. Let us do that. Let us make that the prayer of our hearts, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus and follow the Lord as the Lord sends us into the world.
Let your blessings of peace rest upon us as we go from here today, O God. Go with us to our homes and work and play. Give us the kind of spirit that will not forget that you are with us always. Remove from us every form of pride or self-deception that would cause us to look upon others with disdain. Instead, enable us to be persons of reconciliation and restoration. May we look upon others with compassion and love as we go in the peace and in the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.